We're going on grid. This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. This is hour number two of Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid TV. Craig Mish and Frank Stanfield are going to dive into some second base sleeper options here on the show, give you the latest news and notes around fantasy baseball here on this Wednesday as Fantasy Sports Today, our second hour of the show, starts now. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish here with you, along with Frank Stanfield on the show. And for the next hour, we got you covering fantasy baseball, reality baseball, everything going on in my draft that uh, Frank's a little bit unhappy with, but that's okay. There'll be a time where I'll get to tear into uh, his draft as well. But, uh, you know, you guys you know, certainly appreciate the support and watching us and listening to us as well. Make sure you follow Frank at Roto underscore Frank. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish as well. And uh, Frank, an interesting day once again in fantasy, just kind of figuring out some lineups and we're going to have some actual games being played on Saturday. So we'll get an idea as to what some of these teams are thinking. And just to give people an idea from my perspective as it pertains to fantasy is that what you want to do in the first, the first weekend, which is this weekend coming up for the spring training games, and next week is simply enjoy the fact that baseball is back in spring training. But other than an injury, you cannot look at anything that is happening in the first seven to 10 days of the spring. It is simply to get these guys back in shape. Yeah, I agree entirely, Craig. And I'm so excited, man. I know Friday, I think we have one or two games and then Saturday, everybody gets kicked off. And I already saw that AJ Puck has been named the uh, the starter for the Oakland A's this week. And I think that's something you should be paying attention to. It's some of these prospects that are going to get the opportunity to play players returning from injury, which also uh, is AJ Puck. So I'll have a close eye on him this weekend, Craig. Uh, I agree completely. Just excited to have baseball back. Yep, a lot of the fifth starters, potential fifth starters on major league teams will get their first start in spring training this week. It's kind of the way that it seems to be trending. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today after Dan Stratford's Sports Grid news update. Sports Grid news update. Well, Craig and Frank, some potential good news for Cubs fans. Chris Bryant expects to remain with Chicago in 2020 after a sit-down with team president Theo Epstein. Bryant also added that he spoke with new manager David Ross about the possibility of leading off this year. The Cubs and San Francisco Giants are pushing ahead with pay raises for minor league players this season, days after Major League Baseball mandated salary bumps beginning in 2021. White Sox starter Lucas Giolito threw from 150 feet on flat ground Wednesday in White Sox camp. Giolito was diagnosed with a strained chest muscle shortly after arriving at spring training. And Yankees outfielder Aaron Judge played catch from a distance of 90 feet on Wednesday. Judge showed up to spring training with a bit of, quote, crankiness and soreness in his right shoulder. In the NBA, John Balin is officially out as head coach of the Cavs. That's according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. J.B. Bickerstaff 
will take over as the Cavs' next head coach, making him the sixth coach to take over in Cleveland over the past seven years. The second year in a row, they'll see a coaching change during the season as well. Wojnarowski also first to report on Tuesday that after agreeing to a contract buyout with the Detroit Pistons, guard Reggie Jackson plans to sign with the LA Clippers upon clearing waivers. Moving on, Chris Dunn will be reevaluated for the Bulls in four to six weeks. He's dealing with a right MCL sprain. Steph Curry is scheduled to be reevaluated on February 28th. This is a few days earlier than the initial first day of March. He's coming back from that left hand being broken, but it could be he comes back against the Wizards on March 1st. In the NFL, the Seahawks signed tight end Greg Olson, of course, formerly of the Panthers and looking at a broadcasting career in his future to a one-year $7 million contract. Drew Brees is back in New Orleans, and the Redskins exercise Adrian Peterson's 2020 option. He'll be in the backfield and as his age 35 season kicks off. I'm Dan Strafford, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. All right, thanks very much, Dan. And Craig and Frank back with you here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports today for the next hour or so. You certainly can listen to the show audio wise on demand, but for the video portion, head on over to Sports Grid and wherever you basically can catch us uh, Pluto TV, Zumo TV, and also on Stir. You know, it's interesting. Um, as far as watching this show on video, the easy ones are the ones that I mentioned. So what I did, Frank, is before – now this is you know, kind of my first official day doing video with you. If people have been watching this show over the last couple of weeks, I looked like this, <laughs> which was just a graphic. Of, and, and it was a good-looking graphic. They, they chose a good graphic, Great I graphic. would say that. So it, it was an excellent graphic, you know, A-plus a graphic, Greg Sussman. Great job. So what what happened was – um, you know, so I, I downloaded Pluto TV, right? Like, you know, right once I knew we were moving over to TV, I, I didn't have Pluto TV, ironically, for whatever reason. So I had that, you know, went to 517, I think it is, on, on Pluto. Uh, went over to Zumo. Is it 719 on Zumo TV? Am I right about that one? Or am I going to get, or am I 0 for 2? I believe zero? I you are 2 for 2. I will confirm that. 2 for 2. 2 <laughs> for 2. So my issue was, so so the issue was the third component of this where we're streaming, not on sports grid, which is very easy. Just click hit play. You're done. But was stir. Now, do you have the stir app downloaded, Frank? I would ask you that. I do have the stir app downloaded. Yes, correct. Okay. So I had problems on that one navigating a little bit. It was maybe it's just me, but I had kind of, I don't know. I was typing in sports, sports grid channels. I don't, I don't even know what I was looking at, but what I did come across in, and this this will happen to me is I kind of have these stream of consciousness thoughts is that after a few minutes, I gave up. I'll be honest. I gave up. I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe I just can't find it. And, and it's just me. That's fine. Uh, but I did find some really good 1980s TV shows on Stir. In fact, they have the first two complete seasons of the show Hunter. It was really, really compelling. I ended up watching like the first two episodes, an hour apiece. So. I mean, at the very least, even though I didn't get this show, I got to watch uh, Hunter. Yeah. Anybody? Does anybody at SportsGrid have a clue what Hunter is besides me? Does that show how old I am here? I have no idea what Hunter is. Uh, And I know that you mentioned that to me a couple of weeks ago when we first started. And I have just no clue. I don't know what Hunter is, what era it's from, what year it's from. I have not watched it, but I can confirm that on Stir, Pluto, and Zumo, they definitely have some interesting channels. I was flipping through. I found a channel dedicated entirely to MTV Cribs, Craig. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> MTV Cribs, huh? 
Yeah. See, uh, Frank, I remember MTV when they played music. You know, that was like a big thing back then. <laughs> when was that? When the around. dinosaurs were around, Craig? Yeah, there was, uh, there was you know, pterodactyls and, um, yeah, and brontosaurus rexes. I think they had that. Yes, jump right in. Hey, Craig, uh, it's Chris here. There's another channel that we found. Bavona, you are a man of the world. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you know, you. you know all of this stuff. You know what? OK, let's not go back down Ellis Valentine Val, uh, Road here. But you know what Hunter is? You know what Hunter is? Um, I actually don't. If Bavona doesn't know it, it doesn't exist. I am. I am. <laughs> Greg Sussman. There's no doubt about Greg that. Greg Sussman knows what it is. I'm always counting. I mean, I, Greg didn't know what Ellis Valentine. I lost a lot of respect for Greg last week when he said he didn't know who Ellis Valentine was. The only one was Mike Cardano. The only one all of Sports Grid who knew. There's no Very chance fun. Greg Sussman knows what Hunter Hunter's is either. There's just no chance. Hunter. Okay. Hunter. There was a player who <laughs> used to play for the. He used to play for the Rams. His name is Fred Dreyer. He stopped playing football and he became an actor. Los Angeles Rams before they went away to St. Louis and came back to L.A. And he is basically this rogue detective cop that's always like not listening to his superiors you've seen this has like been done a million times on television and video maybe this is one of the first and of course his his uh his partner on the show is a woman and there's that you know frank that tension between the woman and the man where nothing ever happens between the two of them but it almost does like every single episode and then eventually in like season five something happens you know like you, you've seen that show before right a million yeah, I'm actually watching Hunter right now. I pulled it up on my computer. I've got Stir going. I don't know if you've Great seen show. this episode. It's called Dead or Alive. Uh, the description of the show, a bounty hunter comes to town in search of Chief David Blackfoot and Panhandle Pete yes. in his old West-style manhunt. I'm telling you, this was this was a great <laughs> show. And I, and, and I remember when they would go to commercial, like the rejoins and the graphics back then would just be like a graphic of the name of the show and a deep voice who go, Hunter, we'll be back in a moment. Maybe we you should know, have Bavona do that for uh, for FSC. Fantasy Sports Today will be back in a moment. We don't we don't want to overwhelm Chris already. He's having a rough day. Go ahead, Chris, you want to cut in with something else? I'm sorry. I was going to say that one of the channels that we found here that I thought was amazing was a channel completely dedicated to the American Gladiators. That's sick. Now that... And I that's on Stir? Yes. Or was it Pl- That's all. Nope, I'm sorry. It was Zumo TV. Zumo, Pluto, Stir. Which one? I got to know this. This one was on in. Zumo, which we are also on. Okay, so those are the three spots that the TV show is on and also Sports Grid TV. Is there a fourth? Or the, oh, this is it. I, I've got the, we've got the three down. Still got YouTube. We have, we have YouTube as well if you want YouTube, to interact well, YouTube, in the chat. Right, yep. YouTube, right. Right. Yeah, that's, you got to do that. I'm already, you know, I got my hands full here with Chris Bonham. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports today. Enough of the nonsense. We'll be right back with more fantasy discussion. Do you want sleepers in fantasy baseball? Well, I've got a couple, and Frank has a couple, one of which is a complete disaster. I mean, like, literally, like, I don't know why he would even mention this guy. So we'll, uh, we'll have to talk about that next. You're watching Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today. Straight ball, I get it very much. 
curveball. That's our friend. Yes. Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. You can take the That's my offer to God. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Frank Stample, and good afternoon to you guys watching the show on Zumo, Pluto, Stir, YouTube, or sportsgrid.com. Appreciate that. Uh, Frank is in New York today. I, of course, am in South Florida, my home base, and we're going to go through some second-base sleeper options in in fantasy. And, Frank, you know what? I've been doing too much of the talking today, so why don't you go ahead and lead off and give us a couple of options. All right, so I'm going to start off with uh, Cesar Hernandez, who finds himself here with the Cleveland Indians. And I don't think that there is much upside here, Craig, but I think he is steady. And for where he's going in drafts right now, uh, you get him as your middle infielder. You can draft him as your middle infielder in an AL-only draft as well. He doesn't hurt your batting average. Career 277 hitter. He had 279 last year as well. 14 home runs, 9 stolen bases. I mentioned he joined the Cleveland Indians. They're not afraid to let their guys run. We saw that last year and for previous years uh, with Jose Ramirez uh, and with uh, Francisco Lindor constantly running with that team. So I think that there is a chance. It's within the realm of possibilities here that Cesar Hernandez can go 15-15, 15 homers, 15 steals, with a solid batting average uh, and, you know, 70-plus runs, 70-plus RBIs. He did it last year with the Phillies, and I think he's going to bat somewhere in that probably 6-7 spot for the Cleveland Indians uh, this upcoming season. Right now, uh, Cesar Hernandez has an ADP over at the NFBC of 278. Uh, So somebody I do like falling back on as a middle infield option. My second sleeper here, Craig, Starlin Castro, someone who you are uh, very... You know, you, you know of Starlin Castro, played with the Miami Marlins last year, and I was wondering which player you were talking about when well, before we hit the break there. Uh, why is this player on the list? I would have to assume that it is Starlin Castro, but I will this say... It's a horrible decision. I like what he did in the second half, man. 302 batting average, 892 OPS, 16 home runs. The hard contact rate went up to 43%. The fly ball rate, rate blah, went up blah, 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 6%. Blah. Hit more line drives. Craig, why are you out on Starling Castro, man? How can you hate on a former Miami Marlin? I think he's going to give you a good batting average. I think he's going to hit 20 home runs. He's going to play every day for the Washington Nationals. It feels like he's been around forever. He's only 30 years old, Craig. Why are you hating on Starling Castro? He is. Well, look, I mean, you're, you're looking at the small sample. You're not looking at the big sample, which was over the past couple of years. And look, I mean, Frank... See, this is where, where I think some of the data definitely does show him trying to launch a little bit more, him trying to put the ball in the air. But there's a simple reason for that. It's a free agent at the end of the season. I mean, Starlin Castro in June and July of last year, I mean, there was a chance that this guy would get designated for assignment. He was probably, I think he was the lowest war everyday Major League Baseball player in, in the entire game in 2019 at the All-Star break last year. Um, woke up and and kind of, I guess, figured that, hey, look, in order for me to continue my career, I'm going to have to hit a little bit. I'm not buying at all that two or three month sample, Frank. You got to go back. You got to look at April. You got to look at May. You got to look at June. You got to look at July. He did not have a good season overall. He had two or three good months. And I, I don't know the player's motivation. Maybe I'm off on this one. I think I'm on. I will not draft him in any fantasy league. I could see him going right back to what he was in the first half of last year. So I'm out. 
And that's fair. Look, we don't have to agree on every player, and obviously, you know, you've uh, you've yes, been around. Yes, we do, or you're done. <laughs> or you're done. Uh, but you've uh, you've been around Starling Castro. You got to watch him up close uh, for the first couple months of the season when he was not good. Uh, and you're right about that. I, there's nothing in the numbers that I can dispute. The first half of the season, Starling Castro uh, was not good, but he did wake up in the second half and projected to bat in the middle of the Washington Nationals lineup behind potentially Trey Turner and Juan Soto. So there's going to be RBI opportunities there as well. I think, especially at a thin position, that's something we haven't mentioned yet. Second base is an incredibly thin position this year. If you don't get one of those top 10, top 12 options that we named earlier on in the show, you're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Uh, And I think Cesar Hernandez, someone you could wait on. Uh, You know, if you do wait at second base, he's someone that you could look at. I think Starlin Castro is one of those players as well. The last name that I'll throw out there, more of a deeper sleeper here, but it already looks looks like he is going to be the starting second baseman for the Seattle Mariners, uh, and that is Shed Long last year in 42 games with the Mariners, hit 263 with five home runs and three stolen bases. He has a little bit of a power-speed combination. I saw last year uh, in the minors, you know, rather in 2018, he stole 19 bases with a 260 batting average uh, and 12 stolen bases, so... You look throughout his minor league career, he does have a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, and the Mariners, it seems like they want to see what they have in this kid in Shed Long. That's the reason why D. Gordon has been designated to a bench super utility role with this team, uh, and I'm kind of, kind of excited about what he can do when given an everyday opportunity. That is Shed Long. Craig, do you have any thoughts on Shed Long, and uh, who are you looking at when it comes to sleepers at the second base position? Yeah, um, yeah I'm not going to be in on Shed Long either. And the reason is, is for the reason that you illustrated and that at this stage of D Gordon's career, I think that it's, it's probably best served for him to be a super utility guy. Of course, he could play the outfield. He showed that with Seattle and also could play second base. But I think that long has to be considered in leagues that are very easy to pick up and drop players. I think that he has a lot of risk coming in because my opinion is that with a player like this, He probably has two months. Now, Seattle is clearly not going to be a great team this year. So maybe he has a little bit longer of a shelf life if he struggles. But, I mean, Frank, I could see them going back to D. Gordon if if Long struggles, give him some more minor league seasoning, and then call him back up at the end of the year. So I would have concerns as far as that goes. Cesar Hernandez, I think, is a good one. And I think he's a forgotten name. Just what happens is we get this moniker when a player is designated for assignment or just let go that immediately the guy's not good anymore. That definitely is not the case with this player. It's just a matter of they had to figure out a way to play Scott Kingery every day. And once they signed Didi Gregorius, that was it. It was pretty much uh, over for Cesar Hernandez. And I agree with you. 12 home runs, 12 steals. That certainly seems possible. Um, the new uh, my two guys, the news from yesterday and just kind of updating it. Uh, David Fletcher last year. Uh, for for the Angels, very much a big question going into the year. What is what's going to happen with him? I mean, this guy had 653 plate appearances last year, thirty-five uh, percent on base percentage. Now think about this for a second. You're playing in a fantasy league, right? And on base percentage is one of the categories. This guy's a monster, a great player with all of those plate appearances in your counting numbers, just sticking that right up against all the other guys with an OBP above 35%. There aren't a lot of guys like that in a daily lineup league where you can move guys in and out qualifies at third base, second base, shortstop and the outfield. And it was really good to see him get that endorsement from Joe Madden yesterday saying that we got to find a way to play him and play him every single day. Still not sure that that's going to play itself out. And we may, by the way, have seen the best of of David Fletcher last year. But as a very late round pick at second base, someone that you can move all around, 
super valuable in a 15 team league if you're if you're into the kind of league where you're moving in and out uh, guys in and out every single day he is your guy you're playing in a weekly league probably not as valuable because you have to make that decision and you're not sure if indeed he's going to play every day but Madden certainly seems to be a big fan and by the way batting in front of Mike Trout if that ends up happening that could lead to as many runs as he had last year which was uh, in the 80s uh my second Potential sleeper here at the second base position. We move over to the San Diego Padres, and we'll move over to Ty France. Now, Ty France is not someone that is a, a common name at this point, and he did get a little bit of an opportunity uh, to play last year. Now, at this point, you have to ask yourself, okay, when somebody comes up and they play you know, toward the end of the year, August and September, do you believe that the power is legit? 69 games, seven home runs. The PCL, he had 27 home runs. Year before, 22 home runs, extra base hits. He doesn't exactly have a clear path right now to playing time, and that's definitely going to be an issue. But what he has shown in the minors is that he's got a lot of versatility. He could play third. He could play second. He could play first base. If he ends up making the club, and I think that there's a chance of that out of spring training, I think that he could become similar to the guy that we were just talking about in David Fletcher. So Jerks and Profar in all likelihood is there. It depends on what kind of season he has. But I don't think that Profar is a guy that would block France necessarily from playing every single day if he struggles. He's the kind of player that you take, you probably sit him on the bench wait to see what happens in a weekly league. You probably can't play him. But if for some reason something goes sour at the second base position, I think there's a chance that France could play a little bit more. The only issue would be, you know, third base is set with Manny Machado. Now, you know, a shortstop is set with Fernando Tatis barring an injury of some kind. And clearly at first base, it's going to be Eric Hosmer. So the only place that he would have a chance to play every single day is at second base. But uh, Frank, this is the kind of guy, a perfect NFBC guy you take in the you know, 20th, 30th round, you just stash him and wait to see. Uh, don't know that he's going to give you a ton in terms of batting average. That may be a little bit of a hindrance. But again, looking at deep sleeper options, uh, Ty France is mine for today. Yeah, and I actually took him in one of my draft champions leagues because I had Manny Machado. So it was almost like a handcuff situation where if anything happened to Machado, I would have Ty France there ready to plug in. And just looking at the minor league numbers, you're right. We're trying to find these guys that have the skill set, but maybe they don't have the opportunity to play every single day from the get-go here. And Ty France is someone who I think fits that mold. You mentioned what he did last year, 27 home runs in AAA with a 1247 OPS. The guy was just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and when it comes to Jerks and Profar, we've seen him bottom out before just last year. I mean, the guy hit right around 200. He makes a ton of contact. He doesn't strike out much, but the contact that Jerks and Profar makes is not very good. Look at the average exit velocity. Look at the hard contact rate. It's not good. He makes contact, but it just doesn't really go anywhere. So I, I'd say... If it's the first couple months of the season and Jerks and Profar is not performing, then you're right. Maybe Ty France gets an opportunity to play second base and play every day. And you don't normally see guys that have pop like this that you could potentially use in the middle infield as well. So especially, you know, maybe as an NL only stash or in one of these deep draft and hold drafts. I love this call, Craig. Maybe you get some PT out of Ty France this year. You never know. All right. Uh, we got to take a brief time out on fantasy sports today. We come back after the break. More discussion in terms of the NFBC. We're going to look at the value players from the 600 to 700 range. That's coming up next with Craig and Frank. Don't go away. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Frank Stample here with you on the show. And uh, we're going to get into some players in the NFBC, uh, 600 through 700. For those of you who are playing, the NFBC has a lot of their online drafts going on right now. They do cost money, keep in mind as well. But a lot of these are 50-round drafts. So, Frank, they're going to be players that are simply going to be taken by only a handful of leagues. Now, if you listened to our show or watched our show last week, we talked about players that almost are never getting taken, like 5% of leagues. We moved up to about 10%, then we went to 20 Now we're in the range today where we're looking at players in the NFBC that their ADP is between 600 and 700. So this is about a third of the leagues, meaning that you're getting into around 40 or 50. You're seeing some of these players being drafted. Do you feel like the players that we're taking today have more of a chance of being a factor in fantasy, or do you still think we're on the outside looking in on some of these guys? No, I think these guys could definitely have an opportunity to uh, make an impact in fantasy baseball this year. I've already completed one of my uh, NFBC draft champions drafts, 50 rounds, and there were points at the draft where I was considering players on this list that we're going to talk about today. So, yeah, I think we're getting into the range now where these guys actually might have some value in the upcoming 2020 season. All right, so uh, we'll go one by one here. I'll start off with the first one, and I'm going to start off with ADP 665, uh, and that is Lewis Thorpe, starting pitcher on the Minnesota Twins. Now, look, the Twins' back end of their rotation, as you know, to start the season isn't pretty. Uh, they're they're basically they signed two players, Frank, in Rich Hill and Homer Bailey. That I think that they're hoping at the end of the season to you know, get 30 starts combined from these two pitchers, to be honest with you. Um, last year on one of my radio shows, uh, the general manager of the Twins came on the show and specifically mentioned Lewis Thorpe to us. And he got called up at the end of last year and ended up making uh, a number of, of bullpen star, uh, bullpen appearances and also made a couple of starts. And it was ugly. I mean, it was really ugly. His ERA was over six, 6.18 ERA. But uh, Lewis Thorpe has probably more swing and miss than anybody on the entire Minnesota Twins 40-man roster. So I don't know how they're going to end up employing him. I believe at some point he'll end up as a starting pitcher. The only problem that I see here with Thorpe is that what happens in July when the Twins need a bullpen piece or when they need an extra bat, I think Thorpe could be one guy that they may have to uh, ship away to get something back of value in return. Uh, Or, conversely, maybe Thorpe ends up making 15 starts this season. There's got to be some concern with with a pitcher, even in a cup of coffee, that posts an ERA of six because you don't want to draft anyone that even if he's free, you put him in your lineup and he's going to end up hurting your ERA and whip. Uh, He's been in uh, so far. He's been drafted 112 different times, which is about 30 percent right now of the NFBC. So I'm going to start off with Lewis Thorpe today, a name that not a lot of people have heard of at ADP 665, Frank. 
Yeah, and I think that he is an interesting name. The back end of that Twins rotation uh, is questionable at best. You mentioned Homer Bailey. Uh, Roster Resource has Randy Dobnak penciled in as their SP5 right now until Rich Hill can concern uh, can return. If Rich Hill can return, uh, that's always a question mark as well. And Lewis Thorpe has had a great minor league career as well. You mentioned the swing and miss. 511 strikeouts in 424 and two-thirds innings pitched for Lewis Thorpe. The first one that I have here between 600 and 700, right on the nose, number 600 himself, Brent Honeywell, starting pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's been taken in 165 drafts. And to me, Craig, we spoke about Alex Reyes earlier in the show. Brent Honeywell, to me, is the American League version of Alex Reyes. Now, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to watch Brent Honeywell. You did say that you watched Alex Reyes, and he has some of the most electric stuff that you have seen maybe ever from a starting pitcher. I don't know if uh, Brent Honeywell has stuff nearly that good, but if you look at the minor league numbers, a former top prospect in baseball has not pitched since 2017. Uh, Another pitcher who has just been ravaged by injuries Maybe he has a role later on in the season for the Tampa Bay Rays. Maybe he climbs into the rotation. Maybe they use an opener for him. Or maybe he just gets used out of the bullpen at some point and just gives you really good ratios. Again, the the numbers in the minors here, Craig, 288 ERA with a 108 whip uh, in over 400 innings pitched in the minors. Once a top prospect, do you think there's any chance we get something, anything out of Brent Honeywell here in 2020? So the... The uh, Futures game in 2017 was played in South Florida at Marlins Park. So I was there, and I saw Brent Honeywell pitch in that game. And unequivocally, most people that I spoke to said that the most impressive pitching prospect in the game indeed was Brent Honeywell. And by the way, I was fortunate enough to sit right behind home plate for some reason. I don't know why, but I was not there as media that day, and I was literally right behind home plate. So oh, you were there, there with Marlins, man. The spin of the ball. That's correct. That's exactly <laughs> correct. That's right. That's right. I was sitting. How did, how did you remember that? That's a good. You have a good memory there. Um, yeah. So I was right behind home plate with uh, with Marlins man and my friend Andy Slater, and we were sitting there, and it was awesome uh, to see. Honeywell was the best pitcher there. So, in terms of the what what would we say here? The uh, excellence per inning. I don't know if that's really a stat, but as far as excellence per inning, I put Honeywell in like the Michael Kopech category where the Rays are always building for the long term. And given that he's coming off a significant injury, Frank, I would probably put a total amount of innings pitched on him in the 75 to 80 mark. I don't think it's going to be a lot higher than that. I think it's going to be a lot less from what we saw with Chris Paddock. But in a 50-round NFBC draft, those 80 innings or 90 innings could give you a very low ERA whip and a lot of strikeouts too. So it's almost the equivalent of looking at an NFBC draft, and here you are at the end, and you're saying to yourself, okay, let me take this uh, seventh inning reliever or eighth inning reliever because he's going to give me a good 70 or 80 innings. A good example, maybe Tommy Canely on uh, on the Yankees. You know he's not going to close. You know he's probably not going to pitch the eighth, but he's going to give you 70 or 80 innings. Blake Trine in 70 or 80 innings with a lot of strikeouts. I think Honeywell could be in the same category. I love him for two years from now, for 2021, but that's kind of the way I see it. And as you mentioned, 165 drafts, we were approaching 35% of the drafts in the NFBC. Uh, my second one, I'm going to go with Lane Thomas, ADP 691. Uh, still a wide open situation right now. Left, Who is going to play left field for the Cardinals? Does anybody have a clue? I mean, I would guess Tommy Edmonds playing 30 games in left field for the Cardinals, right? Probably. Who's going to play the other 130? Is it going to be Lane Thomas? Is it going to be Tyler O'Neill? Is it going to be Austin Dean? 
from what I'm understanding and hearing in the first week, and again, uh, you know, trying to ask questions, I don't think Dylan Carlson's going to open up with the Cardinals on opening day. I think that he's going to uh, spend some time in AAA to start the year for whatever reason, maybe April or May, who knows. That gives you some early PT. Lane Thomas only being taken in 92 drafts so far. Um, you saw the numbers that he put up last year in a very uh, small sample. Uh, ended up hitting over 300. A lot of the fans love Lane Thomas. They love how hard he works. They love his game. I think that there's a potential opening there for him to play. This seems like a very rare, Frank, competition of spring training. Like This is a position left field for the Cardinals right now with no Ozuna there. No Jose Martinez there. And indeed, Dylan Carlson, if he is not a candidate to play opening day, this seems like a genuine competition. You could be on the losing end of this, but what are you risking at ADP 691? Yeah, you're not risking much at all. And you look at Lane Thomas's minor league numbers in 2018, hit 27 home runs with 17 stolen bases. So someone that brings that power speed potential uh, to the table here. Uh, I do have some pushback, though, on Tommy Edmond, Craig. I want to ask you, you know, you mentioned Tommy Edmond maybe playing 30 games in the outfield this upcoming season. And I think that there are other opportunities in left field. There are other opportunities, I think, in this outfield. Like Harrison Bader, to me, uh, is no sure thing. He hasn't really performed well. Dexter Fowler kind of is what he is playing in right field for the Cardinals. So there's opportunity all around. But if Tommy Edmond is only playing 30 games in left field, Craig, where else do you think he's going to play? Do you think, you know, Matt Carpenter is just going to get hurt and he's going to play third base? Because it seems like they have DeYoung and and they have Colton Wong and they have Paul Goldschmidt. So uh, a lot of people are drafting Tommy Edmond right now. Where is he going to play if he only gets 30 games in left field, Craig? Oh, no, I, I think that Tommy Edmond is probably a 130-game player this year. It's just that, you know, we're I'm specifically looking at left field only, making the mm-hmm. case for, for Thomas. And so if Edmond plays 30 games in left, let's say 15 games in center, let's say 10 games in right, yeah, I mean, the, the, the other playing time has to come from somewhere, but who's to say that Matt Carpenter uh, you know, doesn't get back to where he was a couple of years ago? I know that he's going through some swing changes and some other things, but I think it's still unclear. Uh, but again, I, I think that there's room for Edmund and there's room for whoever ends up being the starting left fielder. And by the way, Lane Thomas could make the team. Austin Dean could make the team. There still could be a platoon with two or three players in the outfield in St. Louis. And by the way, isn't that what they've been doing the last couple of years? Taking Fowler in and out, taking Bader in and out. They sent Bader down the minors at one point. Uh, Ozuna played for the most part in left field, but even before Ozuna was there, they were mixing, and matching and using different players in the outfield as well. The one thing that you know about the Cardinals is that that is a very fluid situation. They're not af- not afraid to tinker out there. I can go through a lot of other names, Randall Gritchick, Stephen Piscotty. They are a factory for just finding the best players and the best playing time. Similar to how Tampa plays with their entire team, the Cardinals do that with their outfield. So Thomas, only 92 drafts at this point. That seems... Uh, a little bit low to me. All right, coming up next, it's time for a little Way Back Wednesday in fantasy baseball. What were you doing in 2007? 2007, really? Was that 13 years ago? I guess it was. But guess what? A lot of us, including myself, were playing competitively in fantasy baseball. Do you remember some of the names that were involved in the 2007 fantasy baseball drafts? Well, if you don't, you're in luck. Because coming up next on Way Back Wednesday, we're going to go through some of those names and names that you probably don't even remember. That's next here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank with you here for another 20 minutes, and then we'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern right here on the Sports Grid Television Network. Fantasy Sports Today continues in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. What we gonna do right here is go back. Way back Wednesday. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. A little way back Wednesday as we uh, end the show today. Frank, uh, where were you in 2007? What were you doing? I was a sophomore in high school. (laughs) Yeah, and... I was not playing fantasy baseball yet. I didn't play fantasy baseball until my senior year of high school going into uh, college. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was just a Yankee fan back, sophomore in high school, Martin Luther High School, playing some basketball, playing some baseball, okay. playing a little soccer. Just young whippersnapper, Frank. That was it. Not much going on. How about you, Craig? Uh, you know, I was uh, kicking it on MySpace with my BlackBerry, you know. <laughs> Doing those sort of things. Oh gosh, MySpace, man, uh, where, that is where, that is a blast from the past. Remember the top MySpace eight? Hot. Craig, would I be in your top eight right now? I mean, I I, I would have to be. I'm yeah, you, I'm your co-host, obviously. Yeah, you would. The <laughs> the those iPods were out. You know, those 2007. They had the big fat iPods. Do you remember those? We had no? the Sidekick Maybe. too. You remember the Sidekick, Craig? I never got into the Sidekick. <laughs> I was not a Sidekick. You were a BlackBerry guy. You were trying I, to I fix the button great. in the middle I of your a, BlackBerry. I was a BlackBerry guy. <laughs> yeah, you know what else? That's a good one, Chris. You know what else we had to do uh, back in 2007? We were buying ringtones. Remember that? You had to buy a ringtone oh, for gosh. like a buck ninety nine. You Seriously, had your own ringtone. Wow. What was, was your ringtone? Do you I was remember? trying to make my own ringtone as well. I would basically hold my phone up to recording uh, a speaker, and you know that was the way that you would cheat having to pay for a ringtone. You would just record a ringtone. I think I had something from like That's Akon true. back then, like maybe like Mister Lonely or something. I, I don't know. Big Akon fan, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> I had um, I want to say I had Big Pimpin' uh, from Jay Z. I think that was my ringtone for a long time. I because, get because when you think of me, you think of Big. You no, know, you think of me, you think of Big Pimpin'. Of course, that's what most people tell me. Sim- synonymous with hey, Big, Big Pimpin', Pimpin and, and Jay Z. That's that's Craig Mish, obviously. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the year was 2007. How many uh, pitchers were taken in the first 35 picks of fantasy baseball? In 2007, how many pitchers, Frank? First 12, 24, 30, three rounds. How many pitchers? At least five, right? One pitcher. What? <laughs> what? One, one pitcher. pitcher? That's it. Oh, my God. One so- pitcher's ADP. Johan Santana was the only one. This was this was during the era of a lot of, I mean, it's like, it was kind of post-steroid era to a degree, but we were still, you know, sort of into it. So, uh, yeah, there were no ERAs under four, essentially. Like, no one. Like, there was, like, two guys. And Santana was just so far and above and ahead everybody else that he was the only pitcher taken in the first 35 picks in the fantasy baseball draft. Everyone, everyone else took hitting. So, to put that in perspective, this year, 11 starting pitchers are being drafted in the top 35 picks in the NFBC. That's how much things have changed over the past 13 years. I just p- pulled up the 2007 um, the best pitchers from 2007. Johan Santana was uh, very good, 3.33 ERA, but it was actually Jake Peavy who ended up finishing as the SP1 back in 2007. But he wasn't drafted inside the top 35, huh, Craig? 
Nope, not into that. The only other one that was close was Chris Carpenter. Remember him of the of the St. Louis Cardinals who won oh, the yeah, Cy Young, sure. if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe he won it actually in 2006. I think he was coming off a off a uh, a Cy Young, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so uh, other players who were taken in that draft, you know some of the bigger names, of course, but I wanted to throw out some of the names to see if you had any clue who they were. Uh, Travis Hafner. Do you remember Travis Hafner? Oh, of course. He wore the uh, the eye black. He's a big, burly man. Uh, Cleveland Indians, designated hitter. Play, maybe played some first base as well. Uh, big slugger, Travis Hafner. He actually, I believe he ended his career on the New York Yankees as well. Yeah, I don't think he played much with the Yankees, but you're right. He was a, like a first base designated hitter. He had probably about two or three uh, really good years for them. I think his, his nickname was uh, uh, not Gronk, but something like that along those lines. That sounds like right. a big dude. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Bay. Do you remember Jason Bay uh, of Pittsburgh Pirates fame? He was rookie of the year. Uh, I believe he went to Boston. And um, and things just kind of flamed out for him like super duper fast. Like Jason Bay had this had this trajectory of going up, 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 and then just you know fell apart. That was the end of his career. But he was rookie of the year with the Pirates. Yeah, Jason Bay was awesome with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, and the reason I remember that is because uh, I don't know if you were into video games back in 2007, Craig, but MVP Baseball 2007 is largely regarded as the best fan, uh, the best baseball video game of all time. Manny Ramirez on the cover there. I own that game. I played the heck out of that game. And I would always start a franchise with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I don't know why. I can't tell you. They were very bad back in 2007. Uh, but I think my thinking was I wanted to turn them around. I wanted to be the one to turn around the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, and so I do remember Jason Bay. But you're right. After he left the Pirates... I mean, he flamed out super fast. Remember, he he spent some time with the Mets, with the Boston Red Sox. Um, really good with the Pirates. Anybody after the Pirates? Nope. Wasn't happening for Jason Bay. Yep. It, it, it was just done. Top 30 pick in fantasy. All right, now check out this, this season from this player. 2006, third base position. 40% on base. 409 on base percentage for the entire season. Ooh. 329 batting average. 29 home runs, 120 RBIs, and 48 doubles. How many runs? 117 runs. Wow. Garrett Atkins of the Colorado Rockies had three fantastic seasons with them. 2006, 2007, 2008, a top 30 player, and then done. (laughs) Three great Coors Field seasons and then completely finished. Um, he was a top 15 MVP vote. I mean, we talk about all the offense that Nolan Arenado gives us now at third base in fantasy. Garrett Atkins was an absolute stud. So many Rockies players were going back at that time. Uh, that was That's a big blast from the past. Again, a quick boost to a career and then just fell off a cliff and got in his eight years and was done. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers now. I admittedly do not know the name Garrett Atkins, so this is the first one that you brought up that I just no clue who Garrett Atkins is. He was a stud. He was a real flash in the pan, though. I'm looking at his baseball reference page right now. You, you're right, 2006, 2007, 2008, and then just just kind of like kaput, went yeah nowhere after that. I remember the name Garrett Jones, someone who played for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates yeah. as well. He was, mm-hmm. he was fun yeah. for a little bit of time. Uh, I, you know who I thought this was originally when you said the name Garrett Atkins? I was thinking of, I don't remember what his last name was. I, I believe there was a gentleman on the Angels, Garrett something, who was like a great player. 
Unless I'm thinking of someone else. I don't know. Well, Garrett Richards was on. <laughs> not, it's not Garrett Richards. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So the top three closers in 2007. Uh, K-Rod, Francisco Rodriguez, who you know, broke the record for saves in a single season. So, you know, everybody knows who he is. Uh, you know, when we talk about reliable closers in fantasy, this is a perfect example of an actual guy who was reliable for a long time. You know, people want to say the top tier of closers every year. Oh, he's, I can count on him. for thirty. You cannot count on any of these guys. Joe Nathan, you could count on in fantasy. And in the last 20 years, he's got to be in the top five. Every year, 25 saves, 30 saves, 25 saves, 30 saves with Minnesota. Joe Nathan was absolutely a guy that you could count on. Um, and then you want to talk about flash in the pan. The third closer off the board in all fantasy leagues, B.J. Ryan of the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, you talk about a, a, a guy who was who was great and then almost nothing. Um, B.J. Ryan, look at his, his stats in 2006, Frank. 1.37 earned run average for an entire season, 38 saves, 86 strikeouts in 72 innings. He came back in 2007 as a top 50 draft pick, and he pitched a total of five games. Oh, yeah, the entire year. Ooh. Five games. Came back with the Blue Jays the following year, saved 32 games, and then his career ended. DJ yeah. Ryan had one of the best closing seasons in the last 20 years. But again, these closers, man, they come and go so quickly. Had you ever heard of BJ Ryan? I do not remember BJ Ryan, but looking at the numbers here, you're right, man. In 2006, he was phenomenal. 137 ERA. Uh, a 0.85 whip. I mean, this guy was ridiculous uh, and then just flamed out. Imagine that, Craig. You draft a top 50 pick closer and you get five relief appearances out of said closer. I mean, that's just, that's about as tough as it gets. Do you just kind of like flush that team down the toilet at that point? Because there's no coming back from that. No, there isn't. All right, so so let me throw some other names out at you before before we end the show here, and then we'll get to exit velocity. You could just give me a yes or no if you ever heard of the player, okay? Sure, let's go. Okay, here we go. Um, Richie Sexton. I the name sounds familiar. I don't remember what team he played for. I think that it reminds me of just like a solid, mediocre type player. Does does that sound right? No. All right, uh, <laughs> Takashi Saito. Takashi Saito. He sounds like the rapper, Takashi69. Uh, no, okay. I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, uh, Jason Schmidt? Oh, Jason Schmidt. He was the uh, starting pitcher for the, uh, for the uh, no, was he a starting pitcher? Closer? Maybe closer? For the Giants? No, starter, starter. Starting pitcher for the yes, Giants. Good, okay, good. Right, let's one. go. Okay. Got <laughs> I got one out of three. <laughs> nice. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Harang. Oh, Aaron Harang. Yeah, I remember Aaron Harang. Uh, starting pitcher. I don't, hmm. Yes, four? For the, I think I was I started playing fantasy when he was still in the league. I think he was in the, on the Phillies when I when I started playing. Is, does that sound right? Reds, Reds, the Reds. All right, yeah. I mean, red jersey. Red it's close team. enough, right? Yeah. Got a red team. Red <laughs> team. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, Frank did all right. Uh, batting five hundred with the names from two thousand seven. We'll see if he can do better next week. Let's end the show with a little exit velocity. I feel the need. The need for speed. Exit velocity. Velocity. All right, we cap off the show today with a little discussion of that big piece of metal 
That is the World Series trophy. Now, look, in fantasy leagues, it may be a little bit different. You get money, you get fame. But to defame the actual trophy that you play for for the entire year, what a disaster that was. And Rob Manfred, good job apologizing for that. I never want to hear about that piece of metal ever again. For my producer, Chris Pavona, my co-host, Frank Stamfel, I'm Frank Mish. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 11. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.